Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the founder and host. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for listening to another segment. With me today in the hot seat is Lynn McLaughlin, and she's <laughs> joining us all the way from Ontario. But let me tell you a little bit more about who Lynn is, and we're going to dive into this powerful conversation. Lynn has served in many roles as an educator, superintendent, principal, vice principal, teacher, and educational consultant. In addition to her business, Lynn now teaches future educational assistants at her local college. As a best-selling and award-winning author, Lynn has now teamed up with her niece, Amber Raymond, to co-author a children's book series, title the power of thought both are passionate about being proactive when it comes to children's mental health when children learn to manage their emotions at a young age they learn to problem solve and find positive solutions to everyday situations lynn also is a podcast host taking the helm for over three years and introduces us to new courageous guests on Wednesday. But without further ado, let's welcome the woman behind it all, Lynn McLaughlin. Oh, Genesis, thank you very much. Part of a team of of behind it all. (laughs) It's always a team, right? We're never alone. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You know what they say, (laughs) teamwork is dream work. It sure is. I love it. (laughs) Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Lynn, and thank you for sharing as well as holding space with me. So now we're going to dive into the connection part of the segment, which is the part that allows the audience to get to know you in a fun, personal, and professional manner. So are you in the mood for either a rapid fire 10 question game or an icebreaker? I think the rapid fire. Yeah, I've listened to a few, so we'll see. You probably have a whole new set, but yep, I'll do the rapid fire. Let's do it. Here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Lynn and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question <laughs> number one. What is one word to describe you? Impactful. That's my word for 2023. <laughs> Love it. Question two. Are you a native Canadian? Yes. Question three. What is your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Iced coffee. Absolutely. With almond milk and stevia in the morning. (laughs) Well, I'm going to make this a follow-up question. So are you a Tim Hortons fan? Yes, I am. But I try to limit it to just twice a week because, so I try to make them at home. But yes, I am a Tim Hortons fan. What Canadian isn't? (laughs) I met a few. I met a few. Yes, it's our addiction. (laughs) Yes, and it's really good. Question or if you could have any superpower, Lynn, what would it be? To get to uh, help help kids grow up to ensure, sorry, that kids grow up with emotional intelligence. Question five: Why did you choose the career path of education? Oh, that's a tricky one. 
It's, oh, wow. Okay, well, um, I did a one year of university in social work. And actually, I thought I was going to be a probation officer. And uh, I live very close to the border between, um, you know, Michigan and Ontario are very close together. And uh, we went to visit a jail for a day. And uh, after that visit, I decided I didn't want to be a probation officer anymore. So I finished up my courses for that for, for that year and decided, you know, what could be electives to carry on, uh, carry me on for something else. And then I decided, you know, I have aunts who were teachers and I had volunteered in their classrooms. And I, it's not something that I grew up, you know, as a child thinking, I have to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. It, it really didn't start until I was in my late teens. Yeah. Love it. Question <laughs> six, favorite color. Blue. Absolutely. Ooh, mine too. Question seven. What's one quote or mantra you live by? Uh, yeah, well, okay. It's not an exact quote, but it's uh, um, every minute is a gift. You never know what tomorrow will bring. In a, in a New York second, I guess I take it from that song. That's what I'll say. In a New York second, things Love can it. change. Yeah. Question eight. If you had the opportunity to trade places with anyone for 24 to 72 hours, would you trade places or remain yourself? Oh, wow. That's a great question. That's a great question. Do I have to name a person I would change places with or I could just I would no. change places? I'd love to change places with an influencer, someone who has the ability to change to and the political, the polit, politic what's the word? Someone has the ability because of where they are, whether it's politics or, or whatever, to change the way we approach children's mental health, to make it a, an entirely different, an entirely different, um, what's the word I want? Sorry, I'm a brain tumor survivor. I'm going to use that as an excuse right now, but sometimes I really grapple with words to be more proactive and um, in early, 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 before kids are eight or nine years old. So yeah, I would like to flip places with someone who could make that happen. I like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Question nine, name one thing that you have done in your life that someone from the outside said, Lynn, that's kind of risky, but it actually built your character. <laughs> Skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> kind of risky. Yep. Skydiving. It was an incredible experience. I will never, ever forget it. I only did it once though. I only did it once and it was really, it was risky and it was probably irresponsible because I had a seven month old baby at the time. Yeah. So yeah, skydiving for sure. And question 10, it is our pass or play question. And here are the rules, Lynn. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you play, I ask one last question. So do you want to pass or play? Play. Okie dokie. Last question. Would you rather a dream car, dream home, or heck, let's go big and have both? I guess I'll say dream home. It's not, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. Okay. I'll say dream home. Okay. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Audience. You just heard it here from Lynn. <laughs> she just finished rapid fire. So I hope you learned a little bit more about her personally and professionally. Now we're going to dive into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, which is what Lynn is doing now. And y'all, you're probably wondering like Genesis, why are you saying meat and potatoes? It's because I'm a Southern Belle. I live down South and I love to eat. And that's why I work out. So I'm not big as I was. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Oh. Lynn, I know you surpassed your career goal by becoming a superintendent of education. And after that, you 
found your purpose is what you said. And it had nothing to do with it. So walk us through what your purpose is, because there may be someone listening here that says, Genesis, Lynn, I don't even know what my purpose is, but I know I'm good at X, Y, and Z, but is that really my purpose? Yeah, it's it's tricky. Okay, everyone, and I'll admit it, I'm 60. It's taken me uh, in the last five years, really. It's been the last five years. So uh, let's put all of you on speed dial and have, make it happen a lot faster for you. But uh, you know, it's not it's not directly connected, but I but I do think my career wish were stepping stones to take me to my purpose of where I am now, and it's absolutely to move us into a proactive state. We Genesis, what we wait until we have symptoms, right? Oh, you know, to go see a doctor or to go seek seek help for our mental health or anything, and we've got to totally change our the way we think. We have to change our our mindsets to know. We start when our children are born all the way up to the age of nine and 10, when they are sieves and taking in all of that information and we give them what they need for this very complex world. I could not do that without learning myself. So my purpose right now is to help adults around the world, my age, younger, my nieces, my nephews, my future grandbabies, whatever it is to have the tools and the skills so that we can teach these little people and we're going to diminish the, the, the number of people who are suffering from debilitating anxiety and depression. We're going to, because we're going to be proactive and think, what do we do from the get-go as opposed to being responsive? So it was a bit of a wordy purpose, but that's what it's all about. Proactive. But I, but I love that because yeah. you're being proactive and you're starting with a foundation there because you're starting early to help, you know, children and go from surviving in life to really thriving. And you're taking into mental health considerations. You're helping adults like know how to look, what do they need to look for in children? You're also helping them, you know, build, build it up and say, okay, this is how I'm going to interact with the, with the children. This is how yeah. the children's going to interact with me. And this is what we need to do in order to take them out of certain stigmas and certain labels that the world places on them. Would you say I got that correct, Lynn? Uh, you got it bang on. Absolutely bang on. <laughs> so, so let's talk about yeah. mental health here right now and children, because children are our future leaders. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts whenever you think about public education and you also think about, you know, the big push for the, um, kids who are dealing with ADHD and pharmaceutical companies are pushing the medications. Do you really think, personally and professionally, do you really think that all children who are diagnosed quote unquote ADHD really need the medication? Or do you think that it's more so the pharmaceutical companies pushing to offload the medication on kids who may really just be hyper, they may be, you know, very rambunctious, but they, they're not necessarily suffering from a learning disability or et cetera, or they, it may be the fact that they're not even interested in that subject, but does not mean that they need to be on medication. Yeah. So you asked a few questions there, but I'll ask the last one. Yes. There is, sorry. There, there is absolutely, I will, I will never say that every single child who has a diagnosis of ADHD or, 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 or requires medication. And, and I just want to say here, uh, um, Genesis, that I've, I've also had a daughter who experienced debilitating anxiety for a couple of years of her life. She's living in Indonesia right now, teaching English as a second language. She's found her own way. But 
and she refused medication. She tried medication. It did not work for her. I'm not suggesting in any way, shape or form that medication is not the answer for many people, but it is not the answer for every person. And in all of the people I've talked to in the books that I've written and clinicians and educators and students and parents in my whole career, um, very often it is many things combined together. It may or may not be medication. It may be finding uh, something that works for you in terms of listening to music, working, uh, walking every day, working out at the gym, whatever it's going to be. Um, figuring out when I call, I call the person in my mind who talks crazy to me, Henrietta. Is that Henrietta speaking or something? And learning those evidence-based strategies that clinicians use when you go into therapy, but learning them when the kids are really, really, really young. So no, absolutely not. There is, there's, there, there's so much research that says the exact opposite. And every clinician is different. Every medical practitioner is different too, right? They all do questionnaires. They all, uh, but I'm suggesting that it is the answer for some, but it's certainly not the answer for all. Okay. I love that. And yeah. I love that you're picking apart the questions because I did ask quite a bit, but yeah, public I, education, yes. <laughs> how, I was going to say, how long do you have? <laughs> so, and I want to talk about public education because yeah. depending on where somebody is located in the world, like I'm in the U S you're in Canada, of course, things may look different public education wise. Do you feel like public education is really setting up our children for success? Because think about it this way, Lynn, whenever kids are going through the public education system, they're only learning so much information, but it's also up to the parents at home, depending on what their home structure looks like, to also spend time with their children as well. So with you being a superintendent, vice principal, and all of those things, what is it? what does it look like from your vantage point? So school systems, and, and I was in a position where I had, I had an incredible team, right? I had, I had, um, and it was very evident in the last six years of my career, the number of our students that were experiencing debilitating anxiety to the point where they couldn't attend school on a regular basis. So school systems here are shifting. We put child youth workers in almost every single school. We trained our child youth workers on what it looked like, what's the purpose of a behavior, to even use applied behavior analysis to say what's going on here, to be the safe person for these children and young, young people to come to. Those things have all happened um, in many boards, but I will say not in all boards. There are now mental health uh, leads in every single school in Ontario. So a lot of good things have happened, but I want to go back to what I said at the beginning. It is reactive. It's waiting for kids to have trouble to say, these are the resources that you have now. And everywhere in the world, there's just not enough supports. We all agree to that. And this was in place before the pandemic, but the pandemic has absolutely exacerbated the, the situation for our youth. So School systems here, for example, are teaching emotional vocabulary, some of them, in, um, in early years and in primary classrooms. Absolutely, that's a start. But are we actually saying that putting our well-being ahead as the very, very primary thing should be number one? I think that's the answer. I think we have to look at the research for social emotional learning, for social emotional literacy. And if we give our kids the tools so that they can be confident, show self-compassion, be empathetic, be problem solvers and excel in social situations, then what's the future look like for them, for us as families and for the world? It's incredible. And I think school systems need to shift to well-being as being a proactive. I was asked the other day, 
Uh, if you had a magic wand, if I had a magic wand, every single classroom would be practicing mindfulness activities. What that looks like and what it, it's happening, it's happening in worlds, it, in, in countries across the world. And I just wanna, I don't wanna bring politics into it, but I do have to say this. The United States and Canada are very similar. I'm not a pro there, I'm not a pro here, but I knew we, we are, our medical system operates provincially, right? So every province does things different. When you take mental health and you put it under the umbrella of the Ministry of Health, and that's where the funding is, and that's where the programs are, you know, the not-for-profits have to be there. You look at a country like Australia or England, where they have a national policy, where if you need mental health support and you're in a school, it's there. If you're in an arena, community center, it's there. If you're in a shopping mall, it's there. It's not a separate umbrella, and it's across the whole country. That's my crystal ball. Start teaching mindfulness at a very, very young age. Make men our mental health priority and number one. And, and, and let's move out of this, these umbrellas, which is huge because that involves, you know, politics and all kinds of other things where the funding come through. But that's my dream. That's my crystal. That's my wand. It's my magic wand. <laughs> and I love that you're, that you're talking about it and you're telling people be proactive versus reactive. And I think yeah. Like you said, if they practice mindfulness, if we start having conversations early on, if we give tools and resources in the childcare setting, as well as the school setting, then we won't, we probably won't be faced with, you know, these horrific incidents that we have seen around the world. And I, I would, for one, say, saying I'm not okay, but I'm getting there is better than going through the emotions and suffering in silence because when you hold everything and you bottle it up no good can come of that so having a safe space to go to where you can confide in whether it's a counselor a peer a peer that could go with you to yes. a counselor a teacher or etc then that is way more impactful and you're also leaving an imprint and you're setting the precedence for other people to see, okay, it's okay. They weren't punished. They weren't dealt with in a certain manner. They weren't labeled or whatnot. But I also feel like too, influencers could also play a factor here because let's be real here. So many people are inundated with social media. What about if people in the mental health space partner with certain influencers and they start to open up and talk about things more open, openly transparent and give a, you know, a synopsis. I'm not sure if you're aware of Twitch. Um, Twitch yes. the, yep. who committed suicide. Yes, very much. Mm -hmm. And people came out after he did that and was talking about certain things. Well, if you knew certain things were going on, why weren't you proactive? But it's neither, I'm neither here nor there. Yeah, but no I judgment. Wonder, Never judgment. Yeah, <laughs> no judgment. But I wonder if some of that stuff, you know, if that would be the case with some of the kids who have had mass school shootings and et cetera. There, and I've seen that over the last decade, I would say, when you, Bell Let's Talk Day, for example. Um, Bell Let's Talk, you're aware of that down in the United States, right? The Bell Let's Talk Day? No, let's, let's. Uh, oh, okay. So, is. well, it's Bell Canada, but I guess it had some, I, it had uh, some influence down in the United States. It's one day a year. And every time you hashtag, I think it's Bell Let's Talk, a certain amount of money goes towards mental health programs. And the influencers are actors and comedians and people who've lost loved ones. Um, 
to to suicide, but they are influencers. So that has been that has been incredible here in Canada. And it does say to people, oh my gosh, if that's happened to someone who appears to be rich and famous and has it all, then I'm okay. And, and I want to jump in here, Genesis, with self-compassion, because we all have so many stressors in our life. Stress is part of, you know, it's part of our life. It's going to be part of our life. But sometimes it feels like it's just totally unmanageable. And if you're a single parent who's juggling two or three jobs and children at home and trying to figure that all out, we have to give ourselves some self-compassion and find time in the day for us to be grounded. And that is really hard. That's really hard. But if that's one thing I've learned in the last few years I am grounded now. I and my kids are adults, so I have to say that, right? They're adults. Different pressures come when you have adult kids, right? <laughs> um, but we have to find a way to say it's okay that that didn't go the way I wanted it to, or or come home from work and say I'm so sorry I blew up. I had a terrible day. I didn't mean that. And talk openly about our feelings and emotions because we are not used to doing that. If we can normalize that in our homes, and all of these other things are happening out in the community as well, just imagine the what's the word I want, the, the mounting change that could happen, where we're all saying, let's go, let's make this happen. What we have isn't working. It isn't working. We're losing teens every single, well, we're losing people of all ages, um, youth and, and adults to suicide every day. It's, we, we've got to change it up and be proactive. I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. I do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, it's fine because this conversation is so rich because we're talking about the need to be proactive. We're talking about the need to get out in front of mental health, whether it's, you know, adults, whether it's children and all that in between, because it takes everyone coming together collectively to chip away at mental health and really change the trajectory around the various conversations. But we're also talking a, a little bit more about, you know, you seeing it from your vantage point to, you know, different part of the world, your educational background, but also purpose too. And it's something that led you there. And it's so important that we we capitalize on that because sometimes people go through life and you think everything is prim and rosies, but it it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always go your way and it's okay. And sometimes you have to go through the zigzags in life in order to find what your purpose is. And once you find what your purpose is, then you accentuate on it because you know that you were created for a reason for a purpose. And that purpose is not just for you, but it's for other people that are depending on you and relying on you. And Lynn, your purpose is really just, you know, bucking mental health, helping children, and just really chipping away at it. And it's so impactful that we're talking about mental health, because it shouldn't be just talked about it for mental health awareness or one month, it should be right. an everyday thing. And yep. we have to start having these courageous conversations, we have to be transparent, we have to like, really talk about the hard things that aren't really easy to talk about, but it's necessary because you never know how a conversation like this is going to leave an imprint in order to drive an impact for future generations to come, in my opinion. I, I totally agree with you. And if there's any action your listeners and viewers can make, it's okay, find a mental health, find it, uh, an organization near you that you can embrace, that you can be involved with and start to follow them on social media. And that's what you put out to social media is the information that's going to change people's mindsets or say, oh, wait, that's something that I can try. I'm not comfortable going in to see a counselor. I'm not comfortable calling a crisis line, but oh, there's an online educational program that I can follow. Yeah, I want to do that too. So I think by increasing awareness, just by learning ourselves is a big, big first step.
And then we're also better equipped if someone we know or love is having trouble to be able to say mm-hmm. and not worry about what you're going to say, to know the steps to do to provide intervention and, and assistance and guidance to that person to never leave them alone until, right? Um, so, so we have to learn ourselves. We have to become bash, com, self-compassionate. Um, but, you know, okay, I already said it. I won't repeat. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, I get too wordy sometimes. That is amazing because um, here in the U.S., I don't know if they have it there in Canada, but there is a mental health first aid training and they go over the algae method and they teach you different steps to go through. So whenever you are either dealing with something personally or you're, um, you know, someone that's dealing with it, there's the A-L-G-E-E method to go over with that individual. And if that individual needs help, then you can call a hotline that will send out trained professionals in unmarked cars to go out and assist that individual because of course if someone sees a car coming with you know the police sirens or whatnot that's going to spook the person but if they see an unmarked car with someone not really in uniform but they do have a badge to identify who they are and they're there to help they're going to be more open to talk talking to that individual and also not casting judgment the the last thing someone wants to do is you know confide in you but then have you judge them for the situation that they're going in and it also you know affects their psyche and if you if they interact with you that first time and they feel that that you did that the next time they're not going to want to be open and transparent with someone else even though that they may be going through a mental health crisis. And even though it's a mental health crisis, it's not something that may be long-term. So I just wanted to interject that there, Lynn. Yeah, it is about trust. Absolutely. If someone, if someone um, discloses something like that to you, then you, you, you've got their trust. Um, I'm going to look up that um, program. What we use up here is called ASSIST. And although it looks differently, and you know what, I've spoken to some people lately who aren't even aware this exists up in Ontario, you can call the police and ask to have a mental health um, check on, on, on people. It's kind of the same thing. There are people who are trained, whatever that uh, position is or title is, that will actually go to a home if you're worried about someone. Um, and that's a big part of it too. But yeah, knowing what to say and when to be able to stay there, when to say it's okay to leave because there's a safe plan or, 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 and when to call 911 or when to say, we're not going anywhere. You are coming with me to a walk-in, right? That's what that training is so important. It helps us to understand because we may, as you said, um, if you have to make that call to say, I can't leave you alone, you need to get help right now. You, you are taking a risk of losing that person's trust, but hopefully down the line, when they're aware of how critical and how serious it was, they will thank you and they'll thank you with their life. Yes. So in yeah. Canada, it's assist. And then here it's um, mentalhealthandfirstaid.org. And I'm just yeah. going to read out the action plan and then we'll jump into the CTA. So algae is the action plan and it stands for assess for risk of suicide or harm. L is listen non-judgmentally. G is give reassurance and information. The first E is encourage appropriate professional help because we, if you're not trained in it, don't say that, you know, you're an expert here. And then the other E is encourage self-help and other support strategies. Meaning if you know something like mindfulness, taking a step away, all of those other things can help. And that's the algae method under the action plan. 
And I'll also link that in the show notes along with the one that you mentioned, Lynn. So if you send that to me, we could link it. That way our audience has some tools and resources that they could start with. Now, I I do want to jump into the CTA here, Lynn, which is your call to action for the audience, because what good is giving them the information if they're not going to take what we gave them and apply it, not just for themselves, but other people? Uh, my call to action is the book series. I'm sorry, Genesis, is it? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize to that. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, long story short, uh, my niece is a social worker and she was graduating with her master of social work. And I was out for one of my daily walks. And this was my aha moment. My daughter was doing well. I was graduated. My post-secondary students were doing okay, but really struggling. And I just went, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. And I called her. I said, would you write a children's book series with me? And she was just blown away, but she has. And so two years later, we've got the, the series is called The Power of Thought. There are three books out. The fourth one's coming out in a matter of three weeks. Um, and every single book uses an evidence-based practice that a clinician would be using later when someone is actually diagnosed, but we've taken kids off. We beam them off to this fictitious, fictitious planet called Tezra, where all the children glow in how they're feeling because they haven't been able to control them yet. And we do, we, we don't just teach happy, sad, mad, glad, right? I mean, that, that's, that worked for maybe people my generation and older, but I love the way my niece describes it now. She said, it's like kids these days, it's like a power box. And there are so many outlets coming in that they're just blowing up, blowing up because there's just so many emotions to deal with at once. So every book we teach emotional vocabulary, but we also are teaching children, what does worry look like? How do I know when I'm feeling worried? How can I pick it out when a friend or someone that I know is feeling worried? But then what is a strategy that I can use to say, it's okay to be worried. There's a reason I'm worried, but what do I do about it? So every book teaches a different strategy um, and every child can relate. But but the most powerful thing, I shouldn't say the most powerful, thing, but it was really cool about this is adults are saying, I didn't know this. Thank you for giving me these tools. Now I can do them. I can practice them too. So it's helping adults also be, be emotionally well because we have evidence-based strategies we can use and we're not going to therapy for them. I'm not suggesting that that is a replacement for therapy. Okay, don't, don't, don't do that. But um, it's really cool. So the first book is called I Have Choices and I won't even go into the details. The next one is called Is What I'm Thinking True? And that's, you know, when the Henriettas are, I'm going to build the task, I'm going to build the task. And we help them to, you know, bring that into reality. Uh, the third one is I can ground my senses and we and we use the, the senses of seeing, hearing to help them calm themselves. The next one is I can calm my mind and that's you can't sleep at night because it's going on in your in your in your in your mind. And the last one is grounding using the elements of earth, wind, water and fire. So every book has a different strategy and we're just so thrilled about it. And our illustrator we found in high school, uh, one of our secondary schools in a in an arts program. She's now in university and uh, we're really excited about it. Uh, every child, every character is named after a crystal. And if you look up the definition of each crystal, you can see that they're about healing, uh, peacefulness, creativity. And so the characters are all named after crystals too. It's, it's a lot of fun. We've had a real blast doing it. And I, you know, any authors out there, collaboration I'm that's my mind like I'm like exactly exactly it isn't it's so much more fun when you get two or three people together where you go well I don't really like that but hey what about this and then wow this book series wouldn't even be close if I'd written myself I I I don't even know what it would have looked like it's incredible now I'm just so proud to be a small part of it part of the team I love that and I love that the book is so powerful and that each book has its own meaning but then it also chips away something powerful 
And then I also want to congratulate you, um, your daughter, the illustrator, and all of y'all for coming together because I truly believe collaboration is the new synergies. And that's how, you know, we all advance. And Lynn, I want you to plug your website here for the audience to connect with you. Sure. It's just Lynn, Lynn sorry, it's just Lynn McLaughlin. I was going to give you my email, lynnmclaughlin.com. Everything's there. And there yeah. you have it, folks, Lynn McLaughlin. Um, with all of this powerful subject, make sure you check out her podcast, get on her website. You'll also find the backlinks to her social media channels. And let's be a part of the solution, not the problem. And until we chat next time, peace love, and lots of blessings. Make sure you follow, like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We're on all major podcast platforms. You could also see the video on our YouTube channel by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, my big ask, ASK, is for brand sponsors and listener supporters. Yes, it does take money to make the world go around. So if you feel compelled and you want to partner with me and bring our resources together, please reach out to me. All of my contact information will be in the show notes down below. So read, read, read. Until next time, y'all have an amazing day. And remember, you are loved, you are important, you matter, and you are here for a reason for a purpose. So don't ever forget it. And your mental health is vital. So take care of you because when you're not holding complete, no one else will be holding complete, at least the ones that depend on you. So remember, self-care is self-love and it's the best kind. Love y'all. Beautiful closing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.